And those of you that are watching online and those of you that are here, those of you in the next venue and those of you in the parking lot, we're glad that you've chosen to be at Bethany Wesleyan Church today. And uh, we're very happy that the snow that appears to be on its way is uh, held off. So we were able to get together today and have these services because I hate going a week without this, the opportunity of gathering in Jesus' name to sing the songs of the faith, to pray, hear the scripture and then the message and to allow God to minister into our heart and into our life. I thank God for you. Would you turn to someone around you somewhere and just smile at them and wave at them, let them know you're glad to see them. Would you do that? So I can make sure that if they go to sleep, I put them to sleep. It was nothing else at all that made that happen. It's so good to be able to see you. And I thank God for the victories that we're hearing about as people have experienced different things in life, and they're talking about how God is helping them, and they're able to come through, and we praise the Lord for that, and we thank Him for that. Today, I want to talk to you about winning victories with God, and as 2021 unfolds, we're going to experience all kinds of situations and unique stories that will evolve, some we know about now, some we have not yet met, but we'll get acquainted with very up close and personal. And when that happens, we want to make sure that we are ready for whatever God chooses to allow to come our way, that we are equipped in Him, that we're ready in Him to be able to advance through whatever is going on. I believe this, every person carries a promise, and every promise carries a process. I think you have a promise in you. I think there is potential, I think there is opportunity, I think there are good days in your life now and into your future. I think you may have had some good days in your past. You may have experienced some victories back there in yesteryear, but I don't think you're alive now just by accident, so you have to drift to the finish line of life. I believe that God is calling each one of us to continue to advance in Him. And as long as He gives us life, He wants us to experience life more abundant, and that's what He wants us to do. I also believe that it is possible that with our situations of advancing, with our situations of navigating through whatever it is that we're called to experience, there are going to be some setbacks and some challenges that are going to be really tough. And it's going to demand that we experience life and God in ways we have never experienced life and God. And in doing that, we're going to discover new things about Him. And we're going to experience new things about ourselves. And we're going to experience what it is to live a victorious life, even in the seasons of confusion and sometimes adversity. Jackie Robinson, I watched a documentary the other day. He met with Branch Rickey. Branch Rickey had called him in and he said, hey, Jackie, I want you to be the person that breaks the color barrier in baseball. I've been looking for several years. I've been looking for a person. Branch was a person of faith. He was a Christian man. Jackie Robinson was a Christian man. And Jackie said in those moments, let me think about it. Branch liked that answer. He didn't just give an immediate yes. He didn't give an immediate no. But he said, let me think about it. He thought about it, talked it over with whoever he needed to talk it over with. And then he, he said to Branch, I'll do it. Branch said, okay, here are the conditions. For three years, you cannot retaliate with any ill conversation to anybody that hurls an insult to you. You can't fight people. You can't throw things at people. You can't retaliate in any way. Robinson agreed that he'd do that. 
That was in April 1947. There was a little boy who grew up in the South. His name was Henry. He told his dad, one day I'd like to be a Major League Baseball player. His dad didn't think it was very likely. But he said, oh yeah, that's what I want to do. That's who I want to be. Jackie had made it possible to dream dreams like that. And so eventually, Hank Aaron broke into baseball. In April 1974, I remember being on my carport in a little town where I grew up had the transistor radio on, and I heard the call that Hank Aaron had broken Babe Ruth's record. I believe that there are all kinds of opportunities within us. I believe that there are all kinds of challenges before us. But I believe that there is a God who will go with us and advance through the adversities that we will experience in this life. And I don't know about you, but I do know about me, and I've made decisions. I do not plan on coasting to the end zone, I plan on going on in, running full speed, and I thank God for the privilege. Biden may be sitting in the office, COVID may be all around us, but I have a life to live. You have a life to live. We're supposed to live our life for Jesus Christ. We are citizens of this world, but we are citizens of heaven. And we are called to live our life and to experience a life more abundant in Christ. I've been getting all kinds of phone calls and all kinds of texts, all kinds of emails from people that are living in fear in in the day in which we live. I want to say enough already. Roll up your sleeves, live the life called by Jesus Christ, and live it to the full. Pray for the people in charge. Vote when you can, but live the life we are called to live, and you're called to live today, and I'm called to live today, and there's a future. I got a call from some of my family out in the Midwest, and they were so worked up. And I said, let me tell you something. I've got a 17-year-old great niece. We've got to point her to God. We've got to point her to Jesus. And enough with all this downer stuff. Start speaking faith. Start pointing to God. Start looking to victory. Start talking about hope. Start speaking life. Quit speaking death. Turn the news off. And start getting your Bible open. Somebody texted me this week from the hospital. They're in the hospital and they were talking about gloom and doom and how bad the world was. I said, I've turned off the news. I pray for the people in charge. And I put my nose in the Bible. And when I put my nose down in the Bible, God begins to show me promises. He begins to lift my spirit. He begins to give me victory. And he shows me what I'm supposed to do. And what I'm supposed to do today is to come in here and to share the news of the good news with you. Jesus Christ is alive. God is still on his throne. The Holy Spirit is real. The Bible is right. And we stand strong in our faith and in our commitment with him. Whatever happens in our nation and among our friends and families around us. Walt Disney. How many of you have been to Disneyland, Disney World? How many of you have ever worn a Disney shirt? How many of you ever heard of Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse? If you have, raise your hand. Act like you're alive. Yes, you've had it. Disney. He was something else. He invented stuff and they came up with words like Imagineers with him, right? And uh, we think about Disney and some of the stuff that he did. You know, when he had lung cancer and he's laying on his bed that would eventually be his deathbed, 
You know, when he's laying there, he was looking up at the ceiling and he saw the tiles in the ceiling. And you know what he did? He laid out Epcot on those tiles in his mind. And his brother came in to see him and he said, I see the ceiling. And his brother said, I see the ceiling too. And he says, I see Epcot on the ceiling. And his brother said, where? And he said, right there is this, right there is that, right over there is that. And by 1992, though Disney was gone, he had laid out Epcot and it became a reality. I believe that every person carries a promise and every promise carries a process. And they will not come cheap and they will not come without effort and they will not come alone because God has promised to walk with us wherever we go. And what we see happening right here in our passage today is a promised land has been given by God and by faith. His people are going to be able to receive it, but now it is time to put the faith into action and they're going to be able to move on from where they are standing and looking at it to owning that land, to living in that land, to experiencing that land, to having good times in that land, to making memories in that land. And the thing about it is that land was occupied by people who did not revere or respect or honor God in any way. And God says, I want you to go in there anyway. This is the land that I have promised your forefathers. This is the land that I have promised you. And this is a promise that is yours to experience. And this will be the generation to experience this promise. And that is exactly what they begin to understand. Now, the good news is they didn't have to overtake this whole situation all at once. Very often when you and I are faced with whatever it is, the death of a loved one, the diagnosis of situation, job change, whatever it is that you're experiencing, when we have those things happen, we don't have to take it all on at one time. Aren't you glad for that? You don't have to raise your child all teen years. Raise your child in this day, leaning them toward the good. Your little infant, you change the ID today, and you lead them toward what is good. And eventually they begin to process toward that, right? And so you don't have to go this alone. Pam often says to me, my wife, she often says to me, she says to our kids, just do what is next. When you're feeling overwhelmed, don't stop. Just do whatever's next and do it to the best of your ability. You'll be able to do that and God will be able to help you. And it's wonderful to be able to do that. So if we're going to face our situations with God's help and God's strength and go out into the week that is bringing a snow apocalypse to us, we're going to be able to go out into this week experiencing the victory of God. I want to say to you there are several mile markers that I want to highlight here in the early part of the book of Joshua. Notice the first mile marker, and that is this. You will face battles. Joshua 2 in our passage, read by Pastor Alana just a little bit ago, it tells us that. Battles are to be anticipated. You and I know we're going to experience them. They are going to come to us. But Jesus says in John chapter 14 and verse 27 these words, do not let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Did you see that? Let's read it together. Do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be afraid. That's Jesus saying that. That's the one who died on the cross. That's the one who rose from the dead. That's the one you say you live for. That's the one who lives in your heart. And that's the one who is planning to come back to receive you. That's the one you talk about seeing when you get to the end. And he has said to us these incredible words. Don't let your heart be troubled and do not be afraid. Anticipate whatever is going on. And they faced a big battle of Jericho. This was a fortified city. This is that impenetrable situation in your life when you have a child who has an addiction 
situation. This is that situation in life whenever you have the boss that is absolutely impossible to live with, when you have a professor that is absolutely ridiculous. This is a situation when you have a spouse that has decided to walk out on you and you don't know how you're going to make it, raising the kid. This is that situation that is the impenetrable Ah, a diagnosis of life, and you don't know what you're going to do. That's how they felt whenever they looked here at this land. But there's something inside of Joshua that is extraordinary. It keeps coming alive, and that is his faith. He says, I will not stop. I will not quit. With God, I shall prevail. Battles aren't a sign that God has abandoned you. They're a sign that you're not standing still. They're a sign you're moving forward. They're a sign very often that God is up to something. They sent some spies in and they hunted around a while and then some people hunted them. And as the scripture says to us about 11 and 12 or so, it says that they were hidden in the flocks. They were hidden in the, in the materials. They were hidden there that they might not be captured. And you might feel like you have been pursued and you might feel like all things are against you in some way. But I want to tell you what the battle is worth fighting for. Faith comes alive. Our focus gets clear. And we began to realize this is who I am in Christ. This is what I must do. And this is what we shall do. And you fight for your marriage. And you fight for your children. And you fight against the addictions. And you fight against the doubts. And you fight against the fears. Sometimes you may be called to pause other things in your life and only focus on those things. But I want to remind you, you're not alone. Second Chronicles chapter 16 and verse 9 says it this way. For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I love that. He's looking for us. Howard Hendricks was in the fifth grade. Howard Hendricks was a kid that had challenges and trouble he was ornery, he was mean, and his teacher said to him one day, you are the worst behaved kid in the whole school. He said those words did nothing to improve him or to help him. One day it got so bad that she slung him into his desk, tied him with a rope, different day, different year, tied him with a rope <laughs> to his desk and put tape around his mouth to get him to shut up. She couldn't stand him. Maybe you have a kid in your class like that. <laughs> and maybe you have a teacher like that. You don't know what to do. I had all the answers and then I had kids. <laughs> I had more questions than answers. He said they passed him on through to the sixth grade first day. Ms. Noe was standing there, N-O-E, she's standing there taking attendance and looking around the room, and she came to his name, and she said, Howard Hendricks, and she looked up at him and looked him right in the eye and just paused a minute, and then she said, I've heard about you, Howard, and I don't believe a word of it. Nobody ever talked to Howard like that. He said, something came alive in me. For the very first time, he said, I felt valued. For the first time, I felt a challenge inside me to be a better me. Something came alive inside of me. 
He said, I went home from school, and one night I was up. It passed 12 o'clock. It passed 1 o'clock. It's about 1.30 in the morning, and my dad finally came to my room because he saw the light was on, and he said, Howard, what's wrong? And Howard said, I'm doing my homework. He said, Howard, you're sick. That's what's wrong with you. You're sick. And his dad went on back to bed. Miss No had inspired him. She had believed in him. And I want to tell you that there is somebody who believes in you, every one of you. Yes, ma'am, you. Yes, sir, you. Yes, young person, you. Yes, single adult, you. Yes, widowed, older adult, you. There's somebody who believes in you, and he's your creator, God. And he has made you on purpose, and he has not forgotten you in this moment. He knows where you are. You're alive in this moment on purpose for him. You have a purpose and a calling right now for him. I don't know what it is, but he knows what it is, and you probably know what it is, and you're making a decision. You'll either do it or you'll shrink back from it. Whatever it is that God is calling you to experience in your life right now. Every person carries a promise, and every promise carries a process. Second mile marker is this. You must be strong and courageous in the battles. You've got to be strong and courageous in the battles that you face. Battles can be really tough. Some of them are over in a day. Some of them are not over in a month. Some of them are not over in a year. There are people in the church that we have prayed with for years, for years, for their family member to come through some situation and somehow, someday, some way for God to break through. But notice that in verse 5 of chapter 1, God's promise to Joshua was this. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Look at the assurance to Joshua in verse 5. I will never leave you. Isn't that good news? And look at the instruction to Joshua. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. In verse 9. God is telling him repeatedly, do not be afraid, do not be scared, because battles can be won, and God knows that. And every generation, he has had people who have lockstepped with him, and as they have, they've experienced the advance through adversity. They've experienced what it is to win the battles, and God wants you to win the battles today as well. He had a unique plan in mind. Chapter 5 begins to tell us about that. And the path to your cure sometimes may seem offensive to you. It may, seem, it may seem like, I don't want that. I don't need to know that. I've had couples come to me, and I'll ask them a question. I'll say, do you know the love language of your spouse? No, I don't know the love language of my spouse. I say, how long have you been married? Well, we've been married 15 years. You still don't know the love language of your spouse. No. Were you here when I preached about it a few years ago? Yeah, I was here, but I didn't really pay attention. Why didn't you pay attention? Because I was preaching to you and teaching to you something that you needed to get right then. The Spirit nudged me. I wasn't just passing time. Let me tell you something. Log this stuff away because someday you're going to need it. Someday you're going to need to draw from it. And when you do, you'll have it in your inventory and say, yes, I remember something. And the Spirit will bring it to your mind and you'll begin to come alive in some area like this. And people begin to come alive and realize they've been trying to satisfy their spouse this way and their spouse is only satisfied this way because God made them this way, not that way. And the thing you want to do isn't the thing they need done. Woodrow Curl says this, the instructions given in the Bible, the key, the key is this, obedience, not understanding. It's always necessary to obey Woodrow Crowell. 
Now Joshua had a secret, it's in verse 8. And the secret that he had is in chapter 1, verse 8. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will prosper and be successful. So in chapter 5, they start marching around the walls of Jericho. And they start marching around and blast the trumpets, and the walls crumble down. What a recipe. What a weirdo recipe. No, what a holy and sanctified recipe. And it worked. It worked. On that fateful day, we call 9-11, Lieutenant Colonel Dan Hooten was working in the Pentagon Someone came into his office and said, the Twin Towers are on fire. He went on down to his supervisor's office, had a television there, and he began to watch as they saw what was going on with this whole situation. It was very alarming and very troubling to everybody. Something inside him said, Dan, you need to go back to your office. It was so strong that he turned away and he started to go back. There was a loud, massive explosion and fire engulfing the place. He flew about 20 feet Something like that, he said. He got pinned under some stuff with his leg. He wasn't able to move immediately. And he sent out a prayer to God and he said, Oh God, show me the way out. And he said he began to move his leg. Eventually he was able to get it out. And he realized as he was called out for help, there was nobody around him. He was inhaling all of the fumes of everything burning. And the heat of it all nearly killed him, he said. But he had prayed, oh God, get me out. He said eventually he saw a hand reach for him. And he said he was able to take hold of that hand. And it was able to pull him out. And he, he came out of that and was able to help others. And he gives credit. He said, I prayed out to God. And in my hour of deepest need, he did not fail me. When I was a kid, we used to sing a song, My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. You don't have to understand it. You just have to follow. Strength for today is mine all the way. It's all that I need for tomorrow. My Lord knows the way. My Lord knows the way, all I have to do is follow. And that's what you have to do. And that's what I have to do. And with God, that's what we shall do. Amy Carmichael grew up as a child of a very wealthy man. He died when she was young, and upon his death, their family lost their wealth. They lost their wealth. She began to help her mom take care of the other six siblings. Eventually, Amy grew and decided she wanted to be a missionary. And so she became a missionary in India. Amy became a missionary in India. 
And one day while she was being about her business, a little girl from the temple area came to her house, frantically asking her, would you please protect me from them? Would you please let me live with you? Would you keep me here? Amy took that girl into her home. She knew that girl had been going through all kinds of repugnant things at the temple as they had temple girls there and they abused them, indescribable things. And she housed that girl. And then she rescued more and she rescued more, but she didn't look like the people. In her little life as a little kid, she always wanted blue eyes, but she had brown eyes. And she wished always she had had blue eyes. But now it's as if the Holy Spirit said to her, God knew what he was doing when he gave you brown eyes. You're going to blend in with these people and rescue more and more kids. And it began to make sense that God knew what he was doing. She got some of the coffee beans and coffee grounds, and she began to put it on her face to darken her skin and cover up the rest of her skin. And she was able to dress like most of the ladies around. And she was able to go and rescue girl after girl after girl. My friend, God knows what he's doing. And he has you where he wants you. And he knows this time and season of your life. In the next service, I'm planning to dedicate eight children. I want to give them future and hope. But I want to give you future and hope. And to know that God has you here on purpose and for a reason. Live out his reason. Live out his purpose. Be alive in Christ. We've licked enough wounds now. It's time to get on with life. And through Christ, all things are possible. And we have the capacity to make a difference for Jesus Christ in the age in which we live. And that's what we shall do. With God. With God. Father, on this morning... When we have so many things in life that are so unusual that are happening all around us, our focus is renewed in its clarity. Our focus is fixed on you. We thank you for this privilege of this reminder today that you have called us to. Lead us in the way you would want us to go for your honor and your glory. Lord, instead of asking why we're here now, why we couldn't have been born in a different generation, why our eyes could have been brown or blue or whatever, (laughs) help us just to realize that we're here on purpose now, not just to exist and monitor the news, not just to exist until something really bad happens, but we're called to live And to know that with you we're more than conquerors. In the mighty strong name of our Lord Jesus Christ who rose from the dead. Who will come again and receive his bride to himself one day. Until then we occupy in victory in Jesus mighty name. Amen.